Can you share my show? Do you know it's a podcast that I'm doing? I don't know if you care, even though I posted it on Twitter and also on my Instagram. Everything in the brand. Just a review on iTunes, maybe two under an alias. We just need some stars. That's how we build popularity. After I read all those posts about how your kid pronounces celery stick, skeleton kicks, I don't believe that even really happened, but you said it did and posted it online, so why argue about it? Share my show. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present by living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. I'm Bob Canning. And today on the show, uh, today we're going to be discussing a film that I believe is near and dear, or maybe nearish and uh, dearest, nearish, uh, to a third person here in the recording, what, microphones, not quite a studio. Uh, we have a special guest today, we and do. I think I think this is he's a screenwriter, sketch comedy performer, our first special guest, and I'm sure there's other titles, but you could tell us yourself. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, special guest? Hi, I'm uh, I'm Brent Simons, and I, I'm the special guest. You are. I know that was an awkward way to distract <laughs> you. In. I'm sorry. List all your credits, Brent, including your friendships to us. Well, okay. And and how they rate, too. I want to know where I rate. Am I above or below, Tim? <laughs> okay. Um, I, well, Bob, I know from, from college, we were in the same comedy troupe, and he's about, I'd say, in L.A. 10, but in New York 12. And Tim, oh, shit. Tim, I know the same way, and he mm-hmm. is in L.A. 12, but in wow. New York 10. That sounds manufactured. So I think I, I think I actually trend very well in New York because of my long coats, but Los Angeles I don't have the legs for it. It's, but it's it's because you keep them covered. It's forbidden. Yes, no, that's that's exactly why I thought I did better in New York. Well, that's a great and that's a great start. That was good. <laughs> um, but yes, thank, no, thank you, Brent. Yeah, Brent, Bob, and I we all went to uh, to the same college as Brent just explained. Uh, we've known each other for a bit, um, and Brent, you're on the show today. Uh, to kind of talk uh, a topic uh, that I I can see how it's attached to you. I, I think all of us had a had a what am I trying to say here? Comic books, right? Maybe superheroes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess one of us should lead this conversation. I'm trying. I'm trying. Here. Should we get a fourth uh, today, a fourth person? If one of your daughters in, <laughs> I'm sure they have something to say. Um, but today we're going to be talking about Superman Two, a 19. Would I be right in saying that's a 1981 movie, 1980 or 81? Um, that's, uh, I can, I can check on it right, right here. I feel like we all could have done research. I know it was the third highest grossing movie of whatever year it was. It was out. So we're going to be talking about that on 1980. 1980. Oh, great. Okay. So behind Empire Strikes Back and I don't know, Fox and the Hound. I don't know. I'm totally guessing on that. Uh, so we're going to be talking a bit about Superman too, but before, before we get into that, uh, Bob and I have some. Some business, some typical top of the show business. So Brent, if you just want to sit there, listen, yeah. and wonder, wonder 
why you agreed to be on here. This will just take a few moments. Uh, Wiki Wiki tweaks. Wiki or as tweaks. My notes, Wiki tweets. Or my notes say Wiki leaks. But yes, we, it was a plan that. Um, it's a segment that we start every show where we kind of look back on something from a previous episode uh, that maybe we missed or we wanted to catch up on and, and just kind of check back in with it. Um, last week we were talking about Huey Lewis and also the news. And um, so for the wiki tweet that I came up with, I think the only one for the show this week, um, it's mostly, well, it was a question. It was a question that was in my notes. I, I actually, I totally forgot to ask. And Bob, you were kind of um, the authority of, uh, on Huey Lewis. So I was going to ask you. And it was a question uh, about a song, uh, one of the songs, Heart of Rock and Roll, which uh, will be played in the intro of the episode. Uh, the chorus of that song, all my life, like I've known the Heart of Rock and Roll from that album for a while. And all my life I've been saying, or, or hearing, or when the, when the chorus of that song played, um, well, what, what are the first two lines of the chorus to Heart of Rock and Roll? Uh, you're gonna have, I'm going to have to sing it to get to that. Um, well, then I could just tell it, you. They say the heart of rock and roll is to be eaten. Yes. And from what I've seen, I believe them. Yes, exactly. That yeah, part okay. I know. It's okay. the follow-up to that. What I have always said, and I've never, never Google searched it, I even feel like someone maybe even told me once, it might have been you, but I don't remember, the following two lines, what I've heard, what I've always heard, what I've sung, what I've wondered why were the next words that he said after that were, now the oboe may be bad in rhythm. Is that correct? Is that the next lyric of that, that, that line? No. There's no oboe in rock and roll. No, it wouldn't make sense. But no. what is? I've never known what that line of the song is. I believe it's um, something to the effect of because I don't know exactly either. I, this is the way I've always sung it. Um, now the others may be barely breathing. Oh. The other forms of music may be barely breathing, but the heart of rock and roll, the heart of rock and roll, is still beating. That's simple. That's easy. I think, was, but, I, but I'm not. I'm not positive. So give me a second, and I will Google that. Well, here's the thing. I don't. Yeah, and please do. But I don't know why I didn't do that before. But I feel like this experience, this sensation of sort of misunderstanding, lyrical misunderstanding, or just dialogue misunderstanding, it, it's not as common. I mean, I had to reach back to the '80s to think of an example like this because I heard this song before the internet. I feel like having the internet now and having it, especially on a smartphone or something within reach. And I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here. We all know where this thought is going. But there's a removal of uncertainty that comes in talking about things discussing things because you can be the authority with a couple quick clicks it would have been very easy as i was putting that wiki tweet together to just look up the lyric online but i didn't um because i felt like i don't know i don't always feel this way but i felt like that was a form of of cheating maybe uh, brent do you find yourself fact checking your own conversations if you if you blank on an actor's name or you blank on an oh i I, I just, just did like, it i i just did it for what year superman 2 came out um yeah that's no true, I, right yeah i i do it constantly constantly i find yeah it, has it become an automatic reflex? I mean, do you just grab the phone and that's kind of like, that's what's expected or sadly? Yeah. Like, uh, just, well, me and my wife and, and yeah, it'll, like, well, I forget what we were watching and it was like, what is that person from, you know, <laughs> or, or, Oh, you know what? This is funny. Like we, I was trying to figure out Richard Lewis's name for some reason, his name just slipped from my, from my head and I was trying to tell my, my hero wife, Richard Lewis. Right, right. Oh, you're a huge fan of his, right? So I was like, I I forget why he even came up, and I was just I was just like a comedian. 
huge one of the biggest comedians of the eighties, mm-hmm. always wore black, and and <laughs> then she knew who I was talking about, but now the name was at the tip of her tongue, and we're going nuts, and then it always hits us consult the device, and what and did it you was uh, for that. You just searched exactly what you just said. Comedian was it because Don black. Rickles had just passed away, or are you thinking of the sitcom they did together? I think uh, I'm not I'm not sure why he came up. Um, I'm just happy to hear someone talking about him because I'll bring right. him up a lot and then finish the sentence and that's it. Oh my god, this is funny. No, you know what? I was talking about you, and I was talking about <laughs> you like you, like your sense of humor, and I and like in college, like because uh, uh, I think my wife's met you like once at Comic Con, and so. She was she was wondering how we knew each other, right? And I and I was explaining, oh Tim, yeah, no, Tim had this like great sense of humor. He always reminded me of like, and he was of like Richard Lewis and that, you know, kind of and and his sense of humor. But I couldn't remember Richard Lewis to save my life. And I literally, uh, I but I I like just typed in big eighties comedian and 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 literally there was a list. Richard Lewis was like number three, you know, like on on the list of the top 10 80s comedians or something. Do you find the going to the phone for research to be distracting at all in conversation or phony? Or does it feel different or does it just feel as natural as the conversation itself? I guess it's I guess it is becoming natural. Like I. There was some creepy, like, and my wife and I will 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 joke. Consult the device, like it's some sort of god, you know. <laughs> when you when you bring up something as specified as pop culture, just as the example, because that's what we're talking about, anyone can be an expert within seconds for the conversation. Does consulting the device, consulting your god, alter the fact of a conversation where now it's just let's rattle off all the facts we know versus let's get in depth? and talk about this thing and on how it impacted us. It does. It does. And I think it affects, I, I think the situation kind of dictates how it, how it goes. Um, with my wife, what we find often we'll do is we'll be flipping around and something will be on the television and we both recognize it or we don't recognize it at all. And it's just like, this is a batshit crazy movie. What the, what the hell is this? And we will look <laughs> it up. <clears throat> and to me, that's natural. That's fine. But then if you're like with a group of people or, you know, and you're having a discussion, it's like, oh, who's that guy? I will sometimes find it's like, oh, no, 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 nobody look it up. Let's try and figure this out because uh, it's just more fun that way. And you can start, like you're saying, it just um, jump. There's jumping off points. You think it's this guy. No, it's not him. He was in that other thing. Oh, maybe it's her. No, we're talking about a male. You know, so it's more fun, I think, to challenge yourself and, like you're saying, actually have a social conversation about it. But the fun thing too is playing detective. Like I, that's playing that's detective? what I kind of. Well, it's like um, sometimes, uh, and my writing partner and I will get into this all the time. Is like we're we're working and we're doing something, you know, totally serious, trying to figure out a story beat or something, and he'll drop some sort of reference and it'll remind us of like, say even a trailer to a movie we saw in 1979 when we were like five. <laughs> And we're like, did we imagine that? Was that a real thing? And the movie was this and this. And then we'll both go, all right, and we'll, we'll play detective. He'll be on his device, I'll be on mine. And it'd be like, and all of a sudden, bam, we'll find out what the, the name of that thing, what it was. Um, and it's, it's almost like you did it. You, you like solved this mystery. 
as sad as that is. <laughs> I like that. I just I think that's a different type of conversation. And yeah, I I think it might just be too because of, of like my work situation where you know it's like I'm in a I'm in a room. I get it. You're employed and. <laughs> And you love what you do. You know, a hard day's labor, you know. <laughs> I don't right now because I'm between jobs, but I could look it up. I could probably find, is that a Beatles song? I think it's a Beatles song. Let me look. But, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it's, a, it's a work break, you know. It's almost like, oh, let's find what that is. And then you're done. You wasted maybe an hour, you know, <laughs> but it's like, okay, it's just part of, it's part of the creative process, you know, this sort of, you know, just giving the mind a break and doing something silly, um, you know, like that, like, well, it's interesting. I mean, we come from a time where that was impossible, where, you know, we'd see these movies, like if you saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater, you wouldn't see it for a long time. Like they might re-release it. It might come on TV but, yeah, we had to fill in the blanks with those, like, you know, those uh, book and record things where, you know, you'd follow along with the story of the movie and we'd get, like, the trading cards of the movie. And those were the only ways to kind of relive the movie. And now it, there's, like, a two-month turnover and the thing's on Blu-ray or on streaming and a kid can watch it infinite number of times and study every frame. To sort of tie this into what we uh, initially thought we would be talking about, how many times did you guys see Superman 2? Was that something in your youth that was one of those things? Did you get the any trading cards, comic books from the movie, about the movie, books about the movie uh, that solidified or helped shape your memory? Or did you just have that, that one theatrical viewing? Did you see it in the theaters? I, I mean, I did. Um, I remember, uh, you know, like I remember seeing the first Superman in the theater, and uh, and then and then seeing the second, and I have a very vivid memory of uh, of, of seeing it, running into some family friends, sitting with them, putting M and M's in my popcorn, and and seeing this movie, which I as a as a child just absolutely loved. Um, and and what's interesting, it was also. I didn't have I didn't have cable growing up, but a neighbor kid Scott Malarkey did, and uh, and so that Superman two came on every day. So I think that's one of the first times where you could see a movie repeatedly, sometimes more than once a day. Yeah, and this is before even VCRs, and and just you know soaking Superman two in, and and which just as a kid. You know, you like to repeat experiences like that. It just kind of reaffirmed how much I liked it. But So you saw one and two in the theater, Superman 1 and Superman 2. You must have been very young for the first one. Uh, let's see, when did uh, Superman 1, was that 79? I think it's 78, but I'm not positive. Uh, then I think, that, is it two years or three years between them? Um, I have well, no actually, way of checking this. Yeah, we'll, we'll never know. Um, I could yeah, grab like, the DVD. Let's see. It was. Let me call my was... mom. She might. She might remember. Let me check the back of this movie poster I got from Scholastic. It's seventy-eight. Superman. I get was it. 78. You have the internet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, which is weird because they, you know, they were filmed at the same time. 
um, controversially because I yeah there is the whole multiple director thing. But you, you so you saw them in the theater. Were you a Superman fan at the time? Like prior to seeing the movie, were you aware of him? Um, I loved superheroes, you know, and and that that goes as far back as I can I can honestly remember. Like I've always mm-hmm. I've always read comic books, um, you know, or if I couldn't read, you know, like I was. <laughs> I was obsessed with them, um, and uh, and so uh, yeah, no, Superman was definitely part of, part of that group. I mean, I'd say he was not my favorite, um, but the fact that he really was the first one, I you know, I, there was the Adam West Batman, which I saw reruns of, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably my initial introduction into superheroes. Um, but uh, I think Superman was the first one really brought to life. I felt like for me, for for a, a, you know the kid I was at that time. We we've said that a lot about how something from our childhood uh, was made for me. Like it was mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's made for millions of people and as much money as they can make from making it. Um, but it's it's just so great how I think. Um, as a kid, you don't see that, that bigger picture. It's just you in that movie and your connection with it. And therefore it is only for you. And I don't, I'm hoping my girls have that reaction to some things that we'll, we'll see. But, uh, I, I like that. The idea of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's art in general, you know, yeah. like it might be a song, um, or or a movie or you know a painting um and it's why like as cynical as all these businesses can get every now and then you know it's just like they get something right you know despite you know all the commercialism and everything like that it might even just be a moment it might even be a moment in a really bad movie (laughs) and and it just reaches you Bob, can you yeah. gauge in your daughters like what is something that matters to them the most, or is it kind of just they're into everything and you follow that? You know, right now, I mean, there's certainly things that matter to them most. Now, the, uh, I've mentioned it before, but uh, my oldest absolutely loves the Odd Squad. Um, now, do I think she thinks that it that she has a connection with it? No, I don't think that's it. I think it's just something she's really enjoying. I don't know that she's at the age yet. Maybe she is, and I'm just not recognizing it. Um, I wonder if it's that, because like with with Superman, like Brent, you were four, or let's say Superman two, you were what five when that came out? Yeah, like yeah, I think five. That sounds right. I mean, you must have felt like that was made for you. I mean, I, I guess I sometimes still feel that. You know, like I, I to me, I, I don't know. I, I I I do love the movies, you know, and it's it it is. Uh, you know, and it, it doesn't happen as often as I would like, you know, and as, 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 I get, as you get older, I think that's common because when you're a kid, all of these feelings are new, you know, <laughs> and, and, and you're just starting to kind of under, understand, to, un, to really understand things. And I, I think when you're, when you're really young and you see something like, say Star Wars is a good example, um, or, you know what, let's, let's keep it on Superman. Like, you see something like Superman and... I mean, it's, it's in the title. I, you know, we type... Right. It's, it's, you know, it's like, wow, he can... F- look at him fly. Look at his powers. Look at, look at this... Look, look at the visual 
the visuals of this movie and 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 how dynamic they were and special effects were like you know they had uh they had they had kind of turned a corner at that time with star wars and and superman was the next kind of example of that um so that was exciting uh, were you thinking look at that special effect as a kid or were you just thinking he's flying this is exciting because those are two different thoughts i think i mean i knew they were fiction you know i think even back then i knew they were fiction but it was i thought they just hired a guy that could fly yeah and i wondered why he didn't get more work like i remember when it would get on tv they would do like specials and you would see like the behind the scenes and that's when i would learn how the wire work and all that happened but right in watching the movie, and I think this happens less now and it happens less now for two reasons, but I think in watching the movie, I never stopped to think, how did they do that? Is that? And that's maybe also the magic where if there's a couple of shots that don't look right, where the blue screen is off or something, you, you accept it. At least I did as a kid. I Obviously, I, didn't, I don't think I thought, oh, a man can fly, but I don't think I stopped to think about it. I think I just enjoyed the fucking movie. Right, right. And I think now there's the the duality of as an adult, I'm interested in special effects, so I do wonder how did they do that? How does that work? So I'm aware that those things are going on. And and I don't know if this is a, a an example of change, but because computer effects are something that exists, you know, computer generated imagery, a lot of time I'll I'll like in an Iron Man movie, I'm just like that's really cool. Oh, that's right, that's computer generated armor. It's not really real. So that might take me out of the movie in a way that. Superman 2, I mean, that was the first live-action superhero thing I ever saw. Was Superman an important character to you, or was it just it's a comic book movie and that's what was important to you? You know, it's, it's strange, because, yeah, like I said, he wasn't, he wasn't one of my favorites, but it was just the idea, like, just, I, just, I just loved all superheroes in a way, even though he wasn't, like, one of my favorites. It was just like, wow, a actual movie based on a superhero was, like, a big deal to me. And, um, and especially, too, was, like, it, I, think, I think it really, in some ways, more than, you know, I think everyone considers the first one to be kind of maybe the superior film though I li- I like two more as a kid um it was the first time you really saw superhero action like a supervillain and a superhero fighting and throwing cars at each other you know mm-hmm. like yeah. um it w- that that was huge for me that as a kid is obviously very very exciting i think the first superman i think the first half of that movie is the perfect comic book take i think i think his origin story up through when he first saves lois lane with the helicopter and then when she interviews him like whenever i watch the first superman movie i watch to that point because to me everything works so strong in that do you watch do you watch into the interview and the the love flight i do watch the love flight i try to mouth along with the love flight if i can if i'm sitting with someone i'll turn to them yeah, I mean, I I like all of that. Oh, God, and I hate heavy. that so much. Did you hate it as a kid? I hated I mean, it as I a kid. It's... I didn't get it as a kid, I guess. And but I hate it so much now. It's the it's the only thing that doesn't age well in that movie. You know, oh, like it's such an eighties eighties thing. Yeah, the, 70s. That's a can 70s you read my mind? Right, right, seventies thing. You know, and it, it it it's it's almost like um, Butch casting the Sundance kid almost a perfect movie until you get to the rain raindrops keep falling on my head music montage you know where it feels 
<laughs> yeah, and, and it's it just feels like it's there to sell a Burt Bacharach record, you know, like, and and this felt like yeah, they're gonna sell the LP at Kmart. Um, <laughs> See, I just I I disagree. One, I think Superman. I think John Williams' best work, and this is with Star Wars. Oh yeah, his best work is Superman. The score to Superman. I love that. I, I very think he might be right. My, my think, kids uh, have seen uh, Superman once, but they sing that theme like yeah. nonstop. It's they, a powerful they march. Once, and they know that song. And I think that love part uh, is very sweet. I like what she's doing. And I guess one of the things the first Superman movie and the second one is to a degree, they're campy because they are representing a comic book. I mean, those are thought bubbles. She's doing what you see in a comic book panel, which is you got the thought bubble over your head. You're getting some insight into the character. It's live action. So I guess they put it to music and, and it's strange. I love that choice. I don't know if I did as a kid, to be honest, that part may not have worked now, but when I see it now, that's such a bizarre comic booky cat, you know, thought balloon ridiculous moment that I'm like that, you know, she's literally flying on air and she's having these thoughts and she's with this magical man. I mean, I, I love that scene. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love, I love hate it. You know, it, it like, I would, I don't want them to take it out of the movie. It's one of those, I love to roll my eyes and giggle when so it comes you, on. You, neither of you and Bob, you don't like that scene. It sounds like you loathe that scene. Yeah, the way no. that I loathe the usual suspect. <laughs> I, it, I don't think I loathe it that way. Um, but no, I, I dislike it. I, I don't care for it. I skip past it. I mean, do you... F- Think of a comic book when you're watching either of these movies. Like, do they were comic books big to you, Bob? Well, like, no. The, see, here's the thing: I'm the odd man out here. Uh, comic books were not a big part of my childhood. Um, were the characters like their own? I watched, of- you know, I watched Super Friends. Um, I watched the black and white uh, Superman TV show in uh, reruns. That I don't like. I can't. Um, uh, so, so I was aware of superheroes, and I was aware of some even obscure superheroes. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get into comic books. I've never really got, I wouldn't consider myself into comic books, but I know enough of, about them and have read uh, some stuff. Thanks to you, Tim, um, from the, you know, the, <laughs> the eighties. And, and uh, when we were living together, I would read your collection and uh, you've gotten me into X-Men and Inhumans and, and certainly, um, as we've talked about in other podcasts, uh, superheroes and that superhero fandom is such a huge part of, of TV and movies today that it's hard not to have an understanding of it. But as a kid, I didn't, we didn't have a place that sold comic books on the regular, like occasionally you might see them. Yeah. Like a convenience store or something. No. Well, we did, but they would sell Archie or, you know, really on Archie from Brett. You don't like Archie? Oh my my sis my sister like would get Archie and Richie Rich and yeah, Richie okay, Rich. Richie Rich fan. Uh, I'll yeah. say uh, to <laughs> But no, um, yeah, we never had. I never got into comics. Well, and I think I mean, and I guess I I, I want to ask both of you this because and then you said it being the odd man out because nowadays with all the superhero movies. More people see the superhero movies than read the comic books, and more people know the character. You know, people know these characters. People know Captain America, Batman, Iron Man, but they know them in the movies more. So you don't necessarily think comic books when you're seeing these things. You know, I do, but you know, I think a lot of the audience is just going to enjoy it. Brent, does 
Superman or Superman 2, when you would watch them as a kid or when you watch them now, you're watching this character who's an iconic character. Does Is it confusing in the sense that, not confusing, but like, does he exist as the comic book character Superman? And, you know, or is he just a character in this movie? Like, do you see a connection between the comics and the movies when you watch Superman or the topic of this episode, Superman? Um, you mean you mean now? How now, I do it well, now? Can you remember then? I don't know if that's something, if you can remember then, I'd love to hear from then. I guess, I guess as a kid, I always felt that there, there was some sort of separation between movies and comics and, and books, you know, that, you know, my, my different mediums. Yeah. Like my mom, my mom was an avid reader. And so when, if we watched a movie, she would tell me the differences between the book and the movie. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and that, that always fascinated me. And, and, um, and I think I always got that too with, with like Superman, that if, 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 I picked up. I went to the movie and then picked up the comic. It wasn't continuing the story of the movie uh, mm-hmm. necessarily, um, but um, but now I, I think I kind of see it. You know, it's it's especially Superman. You know, it's it's and and to have lived long enough to have seen all these iterations of him. You yeah. know, of of you know there was there was the Superman who could do anything. You know, he always seemed to have a new power. And that seems to be what the Donner film in Superman 2 is like. Of like, every time he turns around, he's throwing his ass. He's, he's spinning <laughs> around the earth and he's changing time. There's like no limits to his power. He's, he's like Old Testament Superman. And that's all and, in the movie. That, that shit is in the movie. Right. And it's almost like, well, geez, every time you don't spin the earth around when something bad happens, you're kind of a jerk. Um, <laughs> But uh, but then you know it's like in the comics there was a run in in the eighties by John Byrne where they like they kind of powered him down and they retold his origin, and um, and and then you know they've done that a couple of times and so you've seen all these different sort of incarnations of this character which is normal for an iconic character you know it's like we've you know there are multiple versions of Sherlock Holmes now and you know no one really confuses them because mm-hmm. there's there's so many directions you can go with them and cuz um, they're all so good oh I yeah right right, right. um a dumb character with no staying power <laughs> right you'll never last well you're talking uh, about the different versions of superman yeah i mean i think the john byrne comic depowering was a reaction to this kind of like how do you make a nigh invulnerable to use the tick parlance how do you make this character who yeah who is a god what, what do you throw against them right and you know super on that point that's that's really why i love superman too and and why as a kid even though i wasn't super into superman two was was very powerful to me because it you know a superman story I mean, many writers have said this. It's difficult to tell a good Superman story because of the reasons you just said. You know, of how do you how do you make a god relatable? And well, I and think you make them all Clark Kent stories. If you tell a Superman story as a Clark Kent story, I would imagine you can write one. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying like that's what makes him endearing. The human side of him is Clark Kent and his perception of the world. 
And I don't know, do you have that in Superman too? I know it's in the first one, and I love it. I love Christopher Reeve. Yeah, I mean, you you have some Clark Kent stuff, but the Clark Kent stuff's a lie. You know, like he's... It's not, though. The Clark Kent stuff's a lie? Well, he's not mousy. He's putting on an act. There's a challenge here. He, the values that Clark Kent, I mean, Superman from Krypton is Superman on Earth was raised as Clark Kent. Superman didn't grow up confidently, didn't grow up as the big blue Boy Scout that he is. He grew up as a kid whose parents invested in him, these very small town, middle America morals. So I, I find, I know what you're saying, like, I guess the goofiness, clumsiness of Clark Kent, which I don't think they use in the comics anymore. Maybe that is kind of a show and that's to hide his strength. But I like to think that the Clark Kent that Christopher Reeve is portraying just to go in these movies, I feel like that is that awkwardness around Lois Lane is there because he's relating to her as a human, his super powered part, the, 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 you know, is kind of arrogant. You know, it is, he is kind of a jerk. He knows that, you know, he's doing the good thing, but he also, I I don't know if he's, he's like a jerk. I mean, like, I think, you know, especially, especially the Donner films, you know, like he's, he wants that, especially too. He wants to be human so bad. He get, and this is what this is what like knocked a five year old me, you know, totally away. Is like he he gives away all his cool shit for the girl. He gives away all his powers. And and is he not still the goofy Clark Kent after he does that? No, then he's he is he is his true self. Huh. And he's the person he wants to be. He 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 he's human. And then, you know, they, right after he does it, they go into this diner and, and there's a jerk, you know, and who picks a fight with them. And this, this, this was like, this almost traumatized me. The guy, and if you, you watch this fight in the diner, it's, it's surprisingly vicious for a PG movie at the time. It's like <laughs> he, throws, he throws Clark, now human, through a like, plate glass window. <laughs> and okay. He's okay. Right. Yeah. And... And you see Superman, like as a kid, you see Superman, indestructible Superman. And this is Christopher Reeve, you know, like he's, he looks down at his hands and he just goes, my blood. And it's, you realize the first time he's ever seen it. And as a kid, it was the first time I've ever seen anyone make Superman bleed. And it's not a supervillain. It's some jerk that (laughs) is just like the bully... (laughs) Paul Little on the playground when I was growing up, you know, and it, and it was like, and, and then, you know, uh, Lois says, you know, it's, I, I forget, uh, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's like, uh, oh, he's like, you might need to get a bodyguard, you know, just kind of like trying to joke around. And she's like, no, I, I want the guy I fell in love with. And he says, yeah, I wish he was here, you know? And, and he's talking about who he really is. You know, it's, it's, it's Superman, you know, like I think Clark Kent is the person, I think that's the tragedy of Superman and, and what to make a Superman story really work, you got to hit on is, is, you know, Superman for all he can do, he wants to be us and he gives that up to protect us. You know, like it is kind of the Christ story, you know, of like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is, and, and there's a lot in there of the movies. I, I just, and I, I 
some of what you're saying, I guess I do actually don't have a counter to, so maybe you win. But I, I think <laughs> I'm going just on these movies because I, I love, you know, like there's certain certain characters are iconic. Like when I read a Batman comic book, I hear Kevin Conroy, the Batman animated cartoons voice in my head like that is batman's voice to me or if i read an x-men comic i hear hugh jackman's voice and i hear patrick stewart's voice as professor x when i read a superman comic i hear christopher reeve's voice for both characters and it doesn't always work out because nobody writes clark kent as the bumbling dolt anymore he's a little more assured i think along with what you're saying yeah i feel like in these movies though and i will say i did i did not just watch superman 2 i'm going on my memory of it but I feel like like he puts the glasses on, he's fumbling, but it's also there I, he is still a small town boy. He grew up in Smallville. So his experience from when he was a child in the rocket up, he 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 grew up as any teen would in that scenario. Going to Metropolis, which is ultra exaggerated or should be anyways, cartoon world, you know, giant city. I think his bumblingness, I think his awkwardness, I think that is sincere because he's never, that's all new to him. He's never seen a big city. He's coming in like he was maybe the big fish in his town because he knew there was something special about him. You know, I think, you know, he came up in the small town. His father at least told him there's something special about you in a very powerful scene. And and he has all that on his head. And then he goes to Metropolis for whatever reason. I don't know what they say. Um, And he gets a job, but it's kind of like, I think his reaction, at least in the first Superman movie, is sincere. I mean, I, I like that because I'm just like, he's never been in that scenario. So he is going to be bumbling. He's got people yelling. He's got, you know, he's got espresso machines to look at and, and, and stuff that he's just never seen. So I like that persona. And I feel like it's exaggerated because it's a cartoonish movie. But I I think that really is him. And I think the change in voice is real nervousness because since he can't do the big grand super, he doesn't want to give himself away. He doesn't want to play that card that I'm Superman. All he has to do are his, all he has to fall back on are, are his social skills. And I think without the added brawn of I am Superman and that confidence, I do think his voice cracking is sincere. I do think his fumbling is sincere. I mean, I look at it, you know, like, you know, when I work at a coffee shop and I've worked there for a while, I am confident behind that counter. I know what I'm doing. I can make my jokes. I talk to people easily. I know how everything works. Flip it around. I go into someone else's coffee shop and I'm a little more meek. I'm a little more awkward. I'm a little more nervous because I'm not the one in charge in that scenario. I'm not the one who knows how it works. So I think that Clark Kent is very sincere. I, I'm I do think it's an interesting duality, like what you're saying, the tragedy of it. But I think when he gets to put the cape on, when she's interviewing him, he knows the world. He's not a jerk, but he knows the world is in awe of this because that's what he can do that no one else can. So he can inhabit that role easily. He can be the Superman and do what's right and confront Lex Luthor and and, and confront bridges that are falling apart or whatever. But when he has to bury that, what he's left with is his human side and that side has trouble, I think, interacting because he's a small town boy with small town values. And I really, really like that performance. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's something to like the values, you know, like Mom Pa Kent gave him. But like mm-hmm. even in the first movie, there, uh, like just before that interview scene, there's this off, and it's again, it's like this this performance that Christopher Reeve does, where you know it's like Lois goes in the other room. And 
he takes, as Clark Kent, he takes his glasses off and you can tell he's thinking about telling her the truth. And all of a sudden his posture changes from being slumped, slumped and, and unconfident to having that sort of perfect Superman Kal-El posture. And he says, Lois, and she comes into the room. And just before she comes into the room, he changes his mind. And he, he puts, slips his glasses back in and he gets all mousy again. Um, yeah. I, I mean, think I, think, I, think there's, I think there's something, there, there is something to both. You know, like, I think it is how you, how you perceive it. Um, I just think, yeah, there's something, I, you know, like, I, I heard somebody kind of, I thought it was such a cool way to differentiate them. Like, somebody said, like, the difference between Marvel and DC characters <laughs> are that Marvel characters are humans trying to be heroes, and DC are heroes trying to be human. Yeah, no, that, that is a good description of both. I think so, yeah. And, and you know, they are... They... Where does Archie fall in all of that? <laughs> Archie <laughs> is... Uh... <laughs> I think Archie is sexed up teens trying to get some, but I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't read one in a couple days, so I'm not sure if they're still doing that. Do you have a take, Bob, on, like, Clark Kent to Superman, like, same person, different person? In the context of the movie, I think, because that is one thing, like, I do think in the comics... I think what Brent just said is very true. Secret identities in Marvel are the real people. Secret identities in DC is how they protect those around them. Do you, Christopher Reeve as Lex, as Lex Luthor, Jesus Christ, as um, Christopher Reeve as Superman and Clark Kent, do you feel one is a phony for that character? Phony? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's. I think Brent kind of, um, I mean, you did as well. You both kind of talked about the fact that um, where he landed and who raised him uh, instilled these um, virtues. And that is who Superman is, as well as who Clark Kent is. Um, and I mean, it's really, I don't know if we've even mentioned this yet, but I mean, that's Brent uh, co-wrote Megamind. And, yes, and maybe movie Megamind. And, and it just goes to show it's it, Megamind starts with the, the super alien landing not in a small town with two caring loving parents but in a in a prison mm-hmm. and so it, it it is who he is because that's how he was grown up it, it so yeah he's got the small town uh virtues as clark kent uh, but he has the same thing as superman and mm-hmm. and to care about people and to uh want to help um, is what his parents, his earth parents gave him. So but do you think the Clark Kent behaviors are an act? Like, do you think that's insincere or disguise? Um, I, well, yeah, I mean, it is knowing a, that Brent does. And you do the show with me every week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's by its nature. It's a disguise. I mean, that's exactly, he doesn't want to be seen and known as Superman. So, yeah, it's well, a disguise. Well, the glasses are a disguise, and the hairstyle is a disguise. Yes, it is the personality and how he's interacting with Lois Lane is what Lois Lane falls I think in it's, love with. I think it's a bit of an act. I think... Really? Yeah, I think he's... 
I mean, I would have to watch them again. Um, Why would he choose that? Why would he choose? Like, he, he could choose. A well, I always just person, assumed uh, that, that it was just because it was the exact opposite. I mean, that's my kid mentality. But coming that's in. not. Well, yeah, it's not the exact no, opposite. I, no, I know. But it's, it's like, I'm really strong. I stutter. I mean, that's not. No, but uh, I'm really strong. I'm weak. He couldn't open the he couldn't open the jar in the first movie. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, but that's in action. He's pretending that. I'm talking about the personality, how he's interacting. Like he he stammers and stumbles when he meets Lois Lane. He says all these weird Midwest uh, sayings. You know, she makes fun of him for being a small town person. I think those behaviors are in the Superman films, at least, are really him. I mean, I will say since Superman two. I don't think they do. No one writes the bumbling Clark Kent. I mean, even Superman Returns, which let's not talk much about that. But that version of it, like he wasn't really that bumbling in that. Like, I don't think people. Well, do I, I think they did. I actually think they did because they kind of picked up um, like they kind of ignore three and four and yeah. they kind of picked up where Donner left off. And and maybe he, he maybe he's not quite as bumbling. And um, but. But yeah, he's very much now these new, you know, the the Henry Cavill version. The, uh, yeah, that that's more like the, uh, you know, and keep in mind, we haven't seen much of Clark Kent in two movies. But yeah, there, uh, there is a little more like, why doesn't anybody see it? You know, <laughs> I'm not even sure Clark Kent wears glasses in, in these in these, um, you know, like they both look like they're weightlifters. Um, yeah. No, that those the Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Do either of you like either of those movies? I don't hate them as much as a lot of people. I haven't um, seen them. You have okay. They're not. I I was very I'm not excited drawn to me. see them. I'm not. Uh, it's not like I have to see these things. It's like uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Marvel movies. Uh, I've seen more of those. Not all of them, um, but I'm drawn to see them, and I haven't been drawn to see the new DC movies. You're not drawn to see a movie where Batman and Superman meet each other in real life? I, not to the theater. Hmm. I actually did not see it in the theater either because I lost interest, but I feel like that is something that should be attractive to everyone because that is two very iconic characters. I think the biggest superheroes in the world, I would say, are Batman and Superman. Um, but these, these new movies like Man of Steel, I was so excited for that movie because, again, I love the very – I love the first Superman. I love Clark Kent. I love the second one because of the, the fight scenes. And I almost feel like if there was a way to combine Superman 1 where after the scene where he and Lois, are, you know, she's singing in her head, and then you do the second half of the movie is the, the Phantom Zone villains. That is one movie, while it would be very long, that would be the perfect superhero movie because I think it does both punches well. I remember seeing trailers for this new Man of Steel movie from I think it came out in 2013. And I was excited for it because it played it looked like it was going to play up the idea of the you know I get very choked up with the small town guy like that story always impacts me the right. innocent guy whose parents are trying to instill in him these values it was Kevin Costner in the movie trying to instill these values so it's Kevin Costner's voice all of that makes sense. And then I thought it's going to be the big spectacle of what special effects can do now and he's going to be fighting Super villains, you know, he's fighting General Zod and not Ursa. Who who who's the villain now in, in Man of Steel? That's not Ursa, the 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 lady. Can't think of her name. The diff- uh, uh, oh, um, Veronica. <laughs> it's Veronica. <laughs> um, but like, so I thought that merging would would be very exciting. And what we get in Man of Steel is, yeah, we don't get 
we don't get Superman either. We don't get those characters. I mean, Man of Steel is not has no care for children watching it. And this is something I wanted to talk about with the original movies. Like the original Superman movie and Superman 2, I think are kids movies. They're movies made for kids. It well it's like it's like what we're saying is is just before of like how the Donner film and and the second one really really makes Superman relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, of of like and 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 these these films it's like they've they're they're very dark um they're incredibly dark for no i mean superman doesn't work as a dark character because he's striving to be better than that because of how he was raised and and i feel you're right and i feel like what we're talking about is that earnestness those values i i almost feel like as somebody who you know i you know i i I had problems, but ultimately, I I liked both of those movies. The um, Man of Steel and the Superman. Yeah, I I um you, yeah, I mean I I you know I, you know they they don't hold a candle to some of them, but I I don't know I just yeah like I always I feel like they're apologizing for Superman, like like they have to they're so worried about the audience finding him corny. Or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you, I do think when, especially when you're like adapting a character or it's a loved character, it's like, you can update him, you can take Sherlock Holmes and you can set it in modern day, but there's, there's some things you don't get rid of, you know, and, and one the of character. those, you don't get rid of the character. Well, yeah, you know, the, the character and, and like the, yeah, the the sense of like, yeah, of of who he is, like you know, and uh, you know, on the flip side, Captain America is a very earnest character. He he has. I remember when the first movie was coming out, they were really worried. Like, does this film play outside the United States? Like, they were even going to call it the First Avenger, because mm-hmm. who's heard of Captain America? <laughs> and you know, I and they were so wisely kind of just held on to what has made him endure all these years. And the fact that Captain America is a man out of time. And it's, you know, nowadays we want to get back to some of that earnestness, you know, some of those, you know, and, and some of that, you know, uh, honesty. And, and, and Superman's like that too. And I, I honestly feel like the audience really wants to have that Superman. I you know? think so. Yeah, I and, and I even think Henry Cavill's capable of it. I just, I'm just not sure he's had the real estate in these movies to kind of to be that to you know to be that guy. Like even Batman vs Superman, well, he's a mopey, sad Clark. Yeah. Kent. Well, this yeah. is why I was never really drawn to those movies. I mean, you say Superman and Batman meeting uh, in a live action movie should be something everyone should be drawn to. That's not Superman at least what I've seen uh, from these clips and from what people talk about. So I'm not drawn to it. I don't see that I'm going to see Superman <clears throat> meeting Batman. No, going into Man of Steel, I thought I would. I had very high hopes for that when I saw it. And I think I enjoyed it when I initially saw it. But now, I, yeah, I've never gone back to watch it again. But yeah, the idea of Batman v. Superman, I guess... Brent, you read comic books. You're a fan of comic books. I mean, you you understand these characters. What in that movie felt like these characters and these and the weight of these characters meeting? Um, the 
Oh, uh, in Batman vs Superman, I um, yeah, you know, I I felt like that. It it's at times I think sometimes these movies try to do a uh, do a little too much. Um, you know, there's definitely you know you had Wonder Woman in there too, and it's like we're meeting Batman for the first time, and I I, I don't know, I guess I guess I kind of thought that movie was like a Batman movie with Superman in it. I think it was, and and that's fine. But the thing is, the reason I think Batman and Superman, at least to me, are fascinating together. The reason why, like the Justice League cartoon from the early 2000s, but to go back to stuff in, in the 80s and 90s, you know, them being on the Justice League together and things like that. The reason it works is that they, I feel, they are very opposite characters. They both believe what they're doing, and they both have values of of respecting life um unlike the batman in the movie who's got all his guns like they both have that but i always kind of feel like each one would never want to be the other one but they're curious like i think i think superman is curious about batman's dark side is curious about the grim solitude life that he leads yeah and i think batman is curious about Superman's positive ideal of the world. Superman has hope where Batman does not. Batman does his the things he does to protect because no one else can. Superman is more hope-driven. He's helping, whereas Batman is policing or whatever. So I think there's a mutual respect and that there's such opposite characters that it's interesting to see those two opposite polarities meet. And in this... Ba- and so like the Superman from Superman two, I mean, I would love to see him meet a Batman, you know, a darker Batman, maybe, maybe the Batman forever. Batman, I guess would be the one that could fit into that world or something. But yeah, Batman v Superman missed the mark because they're not giving you Superman should look goofy next to Batman. And I, I, and even the idea of them. And I think sometimes, you know, the marketing, can kind of take over and the idea that they're going to fight and which is fine, but it's like, is that what, is that what the whole movie should be? You know, like, is that really what audiences want? And, um, I think they want to see the battle. I think that battle is cool. I mean, we see Iron Man Hulk and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but you know, it's like, is that like, is that, is that the movie or do they want to see them fight and then like team up and then, you know, and, and we get to see these things that you're talking about. Like there was in the John Byrne run, they did this, they did this awesome sto- retelling of, of how Superman and Batman first met. And, and it got into all the stuff you're talking about where Batman, who's just known as a vigilante at this point, goes to Superman and is like, I need, I need your help catching this villain. And Superman's like, no, I'm going to take you directly to jail. You're a vigilante. He's like, stop. <laughs> He's like, if you if you touch me, I have a bomb that is going to go off and kill an innocent life, and 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 Superman can tell because he's listening to Batman's heart that he's not lying. So they they end up, you know, he's they go on this case together, and the whole time Superman's like, don't think I've forgotten. When this is done, you know, you're going to jail. <laughs> you're going to jail. Right, and so you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like the case. No, ends. I think that's a quote. <laughs> the case ends and Batman's like thanks for the help Soups and Soups goes hey <laughs> also the quote Soups goes hey I haven't forgotten about that life you've put in danger 
and Batman takes a bomb out of his utility belt and hands it to Superman. And the life in danger was his own. And that's how Batman thinks. You know, he, he plays by street rules, you know, because <laughs> yeah. he has to. And, you know, Superman's truth, justice in the American way. But both of them are willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. And I, I thought that was such an awesome moment in the comics because a couple of issues later, despite their differences, Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, I'm, mix, I'm mixing universes. <laughs> Grifter and Turok and Dinosaur Hunter. <laughs> and then Luke Skywalker. No. So <laughs> Superman ends up giving Batman... Hot stuff. <laughs> Uh, Superman ends up giving Batman this kryptonite ring. And it's like, if, any, if anyone ever takes control of me, I want you to have this because you're the only one I trust at the end of the day. And it kind of sets the stage for their, why these polar opposites kind of are also very much the same. And I think in my dreams, a perfect Superman-Batman movie is able to get into all that. But maybe the movie is too busy trying to set up other movies you know well, i think there's that but marvel movies are always busy setting up other movies and they manage to hit the mark i mean i think what but the good know, ones stand by theater, themselves yeah well and i think all the marvel movies with the exception of iron man 2 that's the one where i, I don't watch that one i feel like they all do stand on their own even like age of ultron i enjoy even though it's just pushing future movies but i think batman v superman doesn't work and could have worked. This is what I'm saying. Like it could have worked if they had, yeah, if they had a Superman, they don't have the sense of what makes Superman work because, and this it was a, I'm curious if this is across the board. Superman works best for kids. And I don't mean like it's aimed at kids. Like I enjoy good natured Superman stories. I like seeing this person that I could never be, whose values are goofy to me because it's a nice thing to strive for. And Superman 1 and 2, I feel, are genuinely kid superhero movies. They're PG, they're funny, they, they don't take themselves that seriously. I think Batman v Superman, like most movies now, and Bob and I, you and I talked about PG-13 a, a few episodes back, I, I can't think of a super, or I can only think of a few recent superhero movies that were genuinely aimed for a kid's audience. And that's not saying a kid can't enjoy Batman Begins or can't enjoy Captain America Winter Soldier, but there is an innocence, a goofiness, and a playfulness to the Superman movies that I feel knew they were aimed at children. Yeah. I mean, what's a, what's a recent superhero movie in the last 10 years? 11 years that was aimed at children now I, I guess I do feel like the Marvel movies hit on that uh, what they've been successful at is hitting up on that that sense of fun and escapism mm -hmm. you know I, I think they have that but I mean I feel but like they geared towards oh. children like when you say children I'm, I can only think of my children who are 9 and 7 um, and I, they're not ready for Marvel movies. Oh, no. I think like a winter soldier might be a little intense, but I don't know. I feel like I watched, I rewatched Ant-Man recently and I feel like that of all the Marvel movies is the most kid friendly one. It's a goofy movie, a goofy concept. 
not a goofy movie, but you know, that's a Disney movie. I actually just recently saw that too. And in fact, after you mentioning that it would be a good one for kids, um, I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, cause I have not caught up with all of them. Are we talking Ant-Man or a goofy movie? Uh, <laughs> Ant-Man. Okay. Um, and I kind of agree with you there. Um, and, and I gauge it with how my girls would react to it and that they can't stand violence. At least one of them really can't stand it. And yeah. while there is some violence in there, it's not overpowering. It's not uh, malicious no. and, and grotesque. Yeah. So I feel like that was a good one. I feel like big hero six did a really good job at being a superhero movie for kids. Um, and even that second fantastic four rise of the silver surfer, which was the last movie I can think of that was PG. That was a live action movie. That was a kid's movie. Cause again, it's a goofy concept and it embraced the goofiness of the silver surfer, who is my favorite comic book character. I love. Yeah. One of mine too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, did you, did either of you see that fantastic? Yeah. Four? Yeah. You know, and people, people slammed those fantastic four movies, but I, I, I think I had the same viewpoint of them of like, look, I, you know, I felt like they were very good, especially the second one, which was um, much better than the first. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like exactly what you said. These these are for these are for kids, you know, like more so than the the Raimi Spider Man movies, which yeah. were out around the same time. Of like the you know these skew a lot younger, and and that's okay. Um, because you know. they, you know, I think they embrace the ridiculous. Like I didn't see the most recent Fantastic Four reboot. No, actually, neither did I. <laughs> neither did Society. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like when you embrace the fact that the, the source material, like even Batman, has goofy aspects to him. And if I, the most recent Justice League trailer, Aquaman, I think acknowledges that, and it's like that's good to do. But I feel like like Fantastic Four, Superman, Ant Man, these are ludicrous concepts in the real world and they work because all of them happened like Paul Rudd is amazing as Ant-Man Christopher Reeve is amazing as as Superman and the Fantastic Four the the cast there um they they are committed to it as well you know they embrace it you know they're they're like Ewan McGregor in the prequels they embrace the ridiculousness of it and they're allowed to be yeah Yeah. and I think Superman is campy you know I know we haven't talked much about the movie itself um, so maybe just so we get a little bit of it, let's talk about like, what is your big draw to Superman two? Is that your favorite of the Brent of the Superman movies? You know, as I've gotten older, I reckon like growing up two was always my favorite. Get, you know, as you get older, you're like, Oh no. Yeah. The first one is the better made movie, but there's something about two and it has its faults. I, I just, I just like, and and I think it's because of of what I said before of the just the 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 emotion of the movie, the way it humanizes Superman. I I feel like the spine of that story, despite the stuff in the movie that that works and doesn't work, is just really great as just a superhero story. And it was that, great to you as a kid too, right? You just yeah, that blew your mind. Yeah, yeah, and even you know like. Like Megamind, honestly, and 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 Alan was a is a big super. My writing partner is a huge Superman. Alan two Schoolcraft. Uh, Schoolcraft? Uh, Schoolcraft. Alan Schoolcraft. Okay. Yeah, you know, like we would constantly reference Superman too because I mean, even up until recently, I don't think there's been a superhero movie like it. Of you know, of just you know, 
as we're saying before, like spectacle action, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, the emotion in the heart, um, that, you know, that's not an origin story. Yeah. I mean, Superman two probably could exist. Like you don't have to see the first Superman. Do you really to get Superman? No, they kind of sum you up in the opening credits with the John Williams. Yeah. With a two and a half hour credit sequence. That's true. Yeah. Kind of, it's the whole first movie. Yeah, that's in abbreviated form. That's helpful. But also, I feel like even without that, it is this, like if you know, if you go in, I think superhero movies are starting to do this where they don't always need to give you the origin story. Um, we're not going to see Bruce Wayne's parents shot again. We're not going to see uh, Uncle Ben shot again because they know people know this. You could walk into it, and I did. I think I did as a kid. You could walk into Superman 2 without yeah. seeing the first Superman and, and enjoy it. Bob, do you have a preference, Superman 1 over 2? Um, I do. I'm going to have to go with three. <laughs> just, just to be a, just to be a dick. Uh, are we going to get into that? You know, we should get into that. I don't that. know if there's time to get into that. Um, oh. um I do like two better, uh, mm-hmm. than one. Why, that? Why two? Um, just for everything we've been saying for the last, uh, 45 minutes, uh, it's just, um, it's got everything. It's got the heart. It's got the action. I mean, I it, it guess it really didn't dawn on me until we were just talking about it. But yeah, this is the first time you're seeing superheroes fight and throw each other into things that explode. And it's just, yeah, it was, it's, it's awesome. Does that hold up? I, Brent, you said you just watched this the other day. Does the big fight in Metropolis between the three Phantom Zone villains and Superman, does that hold up? Um... Maybe because, you know, again, talking about, like, the nostalgia aspect of it. Sure. It it does for me because it places me back when I was watching it as a kid. Um, <laughs> now, would a kid now appreciate it compared to, like, that fight in Civil War or uh, the Captain America movie, not the actual Civil War? Um, <laughs> Either one. Either one is an example. Um but uh, yeah, I, I'd be curious. I'd be curious. I, you know, yeah, I, I wonder if people go back to these because there isn't a good Superman movie if you don't. I feel like, but I do wonder: do kids go back and watch? Like Bob, do you think your kids would watch Superman one or two? Have they watched? They they, they have two? watched Superman one. You did say that, yeah. Um, and did, I have that their choice, or did you show it to them? I showed it to them. We we had uh, another family over. They had two kids come in. And uh, it was actually, I think it was New Year's Eve. And so we needed to fill the time. The kids wanted to stay up, so we wanted to make sure they had something to do. And uh, I thought Superman would be a great movie to watch. Uh, I've got girls. There were two boys coming over. Um, And I kind of uh, have, I don't have this like mapped out, but I'm certainly making an effort to show them these movies first and now before they are introduced to more modern fare. Because I want them to experience Mm -hmm. these things and have it be eye-opening to them and like uh, like a first experience. So when they get to the next level and the next level, um, it's, a, it's a natural progression and they don't have to like go back to it and uh, be disappointed with something that I very much enjoy. And I'm talking Superman, I'm talking um, anything else, Goonies, uh, Back to the Future, Stuff that I mean, and even so you're not going to start him with uh, Back to the Future Part Three. You're probably gonna no, do no, no. I just mean for effects and, and and stories. Yeah, okay. It's so different, just how things are shot and how fast things are paced, and 
Now, would you show them like the old Superman show from the fifties or sure. Super Friends cartoons? You, but you would show you've already shown them the movie. The movie is the starting point. Yeah, I mean, for Superman, if if and it was, it's like if I'm going to introduce them to Superman, it's Superman one. That's that's what I'm going to show them first, mm-hmm. and that's what I did show them first. And how did they take it? Like, were they bored? Were they? They're a little bored. Um, but I think they enjoyed it. They, they watched the whole thing. Um, and they had questions here and there. It's like, oh, is, is that kryptonite going to hurt him? Like, what's going to happen? So they, they got into it. Um, they've never asked to watch it again, which is a gauge for my kids. If they really like something, they want to watch it over and over. Um, so it mm-hmm. didn't really grab them. But uh, like I said, they, keep, they still sing the, sing the theme song. Um, now and again, and I think that and, one uh, as a kid, I think I had trouble with parts of that one too. I think I was bored by parts of the first one as a kid. I'm not now until the second half, but the second one did always keep my attention. Right, exactly. No, I th- I think I was the same too. Like even when you know Superman would come on regular TV, it would take two nights. Yeah, because it was a weird. That's it was weird. a long movie, and and yeah, and and uh, and so yeah, I remember. I remember like the second one. Yeah. It just had more action. It's weird now to think of a time where this was the only superhero movie. I feel like, like after this Batman would have been the next one. And that was a huge deal when Batman came out. But, um, yeah, comic books are like the major form of movies now. And it's very easy to take for granted that that can happen and that they can look that good. Are either of you getting tired of it? Are you tired of comic book movies yet? I mean, as a fan, I just feel like this is a golden age for comic book geeks to see this stuff, to live in a world where now my parents know who Rocket Raccoon is. <laughs> and now now I, I know who Rocket Raccoon is. You, you don't go out and see every comic book movie from what you said before, but do you ever get tired of, of here's another one? Um, I only get tired and wary of it because I haven't seen the ones that came before them. Um, and that's just a mm-hmm. matter of, you know, raising two kids and, and uh, um, having a wife and, and trying to do other things. But um, if I could, I'd get out and I would go and see them all as, as they premiere. Um, I have seen the ones like Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, which are more removed. Um, I know they still tie in, but um, they're kind of their own thing, at least in, in that moment. Um, I tried watching Civil War recently, but I hadn't seen the the age of Ultron and I hadn't seen the second, uh, I hadn't seen winter soldier. So it all, I stopped after about a half an hour and I was like, no, I, I can't do this. I got to go watch the others. Uh, uh, I loved civil war and to part of me feels, and I'm still very excited. Like, yes, it is a good time to have these movies exist. Part of me feels like civil war might be the high point that these movies reach. I mean, and just because then, you know, it did everything that I always wanted to see a comic book movie do. It didn't for the first half hour. Oh, really? <laughs> well, okay. again, I hadn't <laughs> <for> seen. <laughs> well, that's why I wanted to see Civil War, because uh, I have I, heard so much about the things that occur in it. Um, but it really jumps into the action and it doesn't introduce the characters that are there. I think I'm just starting to get shared universe fatigue. Like it's a little less special now because no movie is ever going to be its own thing. It's there to set something up. It's there to be connected. And, and again, I do like it, but there aren't 
<clears throat> there, I, I can't think of the last movie I went to see that wasn't based on a non-movie property. Like there isn't a Goonies coming out. There isn't a Gremlins coming out. There isn't a Back to the Future coming out in the sense that those movies, when they all came out, weren't based on something previous. You get what it is and you experience it what it is. And I, I can't think of the last movie that came out that was fun and exciting was just an original idea. And I, I, I would like to see that again. Do either of you have that feeling? Like, where are the original movies? Or does that not matter to, to you? In that I guess, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. It seems like, I, I, totally see, I totally see your point. And it seems like a lot of this stuff is, is are, they're becoming TV shows. You know, like, I mean, like we say, like Goonies, you know, was very influenced by like the Little Rascals. And I think Stranger oh, Things, true. Stranger Things is very influenced by Goonies, among other things, you know, like. They're influenced, but they're not adaptations. Stranger Things is a good example because that, that felt very new to me. And I know it's a retro throwback to 80s stuff, but then. But know, Goonies was kind of a retro, too, you know? Yeah, but, but they were also, they were there, but they existed as their own thing thing yeah like a comic book movie it could be a retro comic book movie like the x-men do where they set it in the 60s and 70s but it's still it's based on the x-men property i I don't know what was the last big exciting science fiction movie that was an original idea and was not interstellar which looks very dull but like what was the what was the last original fun idea to come to to a movie theater Megamind, perhaps? Oh, God bless you. I mean, I was going to go first Matrix. Is that too far back, though? Has there been nothing since <laughs> The Matrix? That's what I'm saying. Has there been nothing since The Matrix? Because that's a um, perfect example. Aside from Megamind. <laughs> right, Megamind. And Jupiter Ascending. What, I mean, I just... We don't, and again, I don't know if the 80s, maybe just as a kid, it seemed like there were so many. Maybe if I was really to do a head count or a film count, there there wasn't, but it's just, where are the new ideas? Like, there are great, I, comic books always work because the characters are established and you put the characters in new situations. So these comic book movies are doing the same, and the Marvel ones work well. The DC ones kind of stumble, but they're still doing it. And you get all, you know, you do get some interesting movies out of it. And I'm not saying not to do it. I enjoy stuff like The Rocketeer was a great oh, adaption yeah. of a comic great. book, you know, and you get other, other stuff through time. But where is the idea that came up now? And I don't know how much of it is just the cyclical thing of like, I think we've always adapted stories. Like if you even go back in the 50s, there were like eight Tarzan movies. <laughs> you know, we've mm-hmm. always had... You know, and, but yeah, it's also how we take in this entertainment that's changing so fast of like, kind of movies are becoming television. Like, you know, like they, movies now have writing rooms to plan out multiple movies and how they're connected, like a television show is connected. And then like a lot of like the indie or the, the human dramas, you know, we loved in the seventies and eighties those are going to Netflix and sometimes there's six episodes, sometimes there's 13 episodes, you know, sometimes they're, you know, and it, yeah, I kind of like if Godfather or taxi driver was made nowadays, I'm, I'm sure it'd be HBO, you know? Um, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's certainly harder than ever to get like an original done for sure. Yeah. I think that's good. If there's no more thoughts, I feel like that's probably, that should be the show. Does that work for everyone? Yeah. I I have one thing to add. Yes, please do. Um, 
the line is, now the old boy may be barely breathing, but the heart of rock and roll is still beating. Oh. Wow. So it's in reference to a has-been musician? And no, it's in reference to rock and roll itself. Rock and roll is the old boy. Boy, that's a... The old know, boy I... may be barely breathing, but his heart is still beating. I like that song less and less. <laughs> as this episode I never ends. realized how deep that song was till just now. I never realized what the lyric was. I'm going to stop short of saying deep. <laughs> but hey, thank you for listening. Thank you guys for being on it. Brent, this yeah, was, Brent, this that was, was awesome. very nice of you. Oh, right? No, my pleasure. My pleasure. That was fun. Well, that's yeah. good. Let's. Uh, we're going to close out the show real quick the way we normally do. Um, if you are a listener of the show, thank you for listening to 20th Century Popcast. Uh, visit 20popcast.com. That's our website online. Um, it's got some more information up there. It always has uh, each episode that goes up. You can also download the show, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Blueberry, I believe is what it's called, and a couple other platforms that we're getting on. Uh, I, myself, if you're in the Cambridge area, about two weeks after this episode airs, I'm part of a film festival called the Digipendent Film Festival. Uh, last week I said I'm going to be showing some clips from my upcoming web series. What I'm actually going to be doing now is showing clips from the movie Substitute Culture that I've been making over the past few years. So if you're in the Cambridge area at the Lily Pad Art Space in Inman Square, please come down to that on May 11th at 8 p.m. and see my work and three other people's work. Um, also, if you want to just keep in touch with what I am doing and when this web series does go up on the air and other things, follow me on Twitter at Subcultist. That's the best way to support me directly and hear what I'm doing. Bob, what about you? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as well at RH Canning. Uh, and if you're in the area of Burbank next week, I'm going to be going to my kids' book fair. There's usually a really good uh, soft serve ice cream truck there. Ooh. Yeah, check that out. Uh, Brent, how about yourself? Anything you'd like to promote or where can people find you? Um, <laughs> Putting Brent on the spot, I don't uh, think we uh, uh, told yeah. you about this part. Let's say um, there are 20 people out there who want to find you because they just listened to the show. I'm going to be, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the new Fast and Furious tomorrow. <laughs> Got that coming up. That's good. All right, so people can check that out, check you out there. Do you want people uh, tracking you down on Twitter, Brent? Um, I'm so unprepared. I'm sorry, guys. I forget what my Twitter handle is. I think it's Brent Simons. It might be B Simons. <laughs> Brent, you okay, know what? If you want it, we can put it in the show notes. I actually have to write it down every show that we do. I have to write it down so I know when I re- repeat it online, I, er, on the on air, so to speak, um, that I don't get it wrong. So don't feel bad. Oh. I enjoy doing all this. I feel like nobody listens to this part. I will say this for in regards to Brent Simmons, uh, the movie that you wrote, you and your, your writing partner, Alan Schoolcraft, co-wrote a movie, Megamind. It's a great animated movie. DreamWorks put it out. Um, it's very relevant to Superman and Superman 2. As you discussed, I would say check that movie out if you can find it somewhere. God bless you, sir. God bless you. <laughs> and bless me. There you and it's go. available on Blu-ray, <laughs> Laserdisc, and A-Track. Nice. Awesome. The percentage of those sales goes <laughs> nowhere. Um, I th- yeah, so thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll be back next week. This is normally where there's some hilarious banter, but I think we'll just forego that and say that catchphrase. Again. Thank you. Good night, sweet dreams. So sorry to mess up your plan, but now you know. Splat! Pow! Can't fool around. Wham! Sound! With 